this past week is finally highway blanketed in snow. I keep forgetting to put my snow tires on. And, I, you know, I should put it to the fridge someday. Usually, I take Highway 22 as my route going home, but due to recent weather conditions, I'm afraid I'll have to take the old scenic route, which carves through Mount Rickson. This may take an extra 20 minutes to reach home. My sedan cuts through breaths of snow as I make my way towards a fork in the road. The love path leads to Mount Rickson scenic route, and towards the right is Highway 22, which I will not be taking for a couple of weeks or so until the weather clears up. The snow looks like needles resting on the car's head. I am distracted by the fix slowly melting upon reach of the engine's heat. Snow-covered pine trees border the roads. The sky is a faded gray. I glance at my watch, and it reads 4.42 p.m. This is the first winter in years that I have found myself forced to take the old scenic route once more. Highway 22 would usually be fine during the winter, but I wonder why this year proves otherwise. My phone buzzes with a message notification. Janice, my wife, asked me to pick up some roast beef for her and Spencer, my 14-year-old son. I also need my glances on the road on my phone and vice versa. I never got the hang of you know texting while driving. The car is a tan slipper on the road, too, so I should have really changed these tires. I text her back. Okay, should I get it from Gino's? Please check my snow tires in the garage. I toss my phone in the passenger seat for a split second. I had to squint because some sort of glare had hit my eyes. A truck on the opposite lane has got its high beams on. So I flash my beams back. The truck lowers its headlights. A few seconds later, the truck loses grip of the road. I tried to avoid the truck, so I swerved. But the truck writhed on the road uncontrollably. So it hits my car, and our vehicles clash. I heard what sounded like the roar of metal against metal. My vision was getting damn and blurry. A certain nausea had hit me. I found myself slowly losing consciousness and dozing off into what I assume would be a sleep-like state. After what felt like an indefinite period of time, I awake unscathed inside my car. It is parked near the office where I work. I glance at my watch at exactly 4.30 p.m. And this is still the same day. Strange. I thought to myself, I immediately checked my inbox for that text my wife has sent me about picking up dinner. Nothing. Inbox says the last message was not until last night. I exited my car and went to check for damage. Nothing. My car was unscathed. And so my, I began to feel a bit unnerved. I had just fallen. Asleep in my car? Had I only dreamt of the accident? I called my wife's cell, hoping to get some peace of mind. I know I'd get it from hearing her voice. Hey, honey. Are you on your way home? Says my wife. Oh, thank God. The weirdest thing just happened to me, I reply. What is it? I think I had a dream that I got into a collision. It was by Mount Ricks and Santa Cruz, and I, I don't know, honey, but I just woke up and everything felt too real. Like, I had really been in a crash. Relax, honey. I'm pretty sure you're okay. You'd best take care, though the snow tires are here at home. You keep forgetting to put them on, she replied quite sullenly. 
Yeah, I, I know, I'm sorry. I'll take extra care on the way back. That's good. Anyway, I'll run up a bath. Well, feel free to jump in when you get here, she says with a cute laugh. Oh, and one more thing, honey. She follows up, but I interrupt. You want me to pick up roast beef? I responded hastily. Yeah, how'd you... The signal weakened. My voice sounded all chopped up in the line. After the call died, I glanced at my phone screen, and there was no longer any cell signal. I tried to find her back, and again, nothing. The call failed. It says on the screen. Anyway, I shook the whole thing off my mind and thought instead that I should really be heading home. Somehow, I managed to convince myself that the whole thing had been one strange dream. One so strange that I could still recall most of what happened. Normally, I'd forget my dreams right after I woke up. I could only salvage a few interesting bits and pieces, but then they'd get lost somewhere in my memory after a while. A stiff breeze brushes the back of my neck. I should really be heading home. I start the engine to make my way towards the old scenic route. I keep driving until I find myself at the fork of the dividing Highway 22 and Mount Rickson Scenic Route. This is all too familiar. I take a left to the scenic route. I glance at my watch and it reads 4.51pm. I turn on the radio to take the edge off. I tune to the news and I'm greeted by a few seconds of static and then a man's deep voice comes out of the speakers. It started out as a low grumble but then it unfurled into a clear, distinct speech. The hurried pace and worry in his voice gave a hint that the breaking news is being reported. By Mount Rickson's scenic route, a truck and sedan are stalled on the road. Authorities are making their way to the scene as of now, exclaims the man on the radio. This is all too strange. It seems like the man on the radio had hauled to something oddly familiar. I drive for a few minutes, and I arrive at a recognizable location, just as I had felt I would be. I I identify the truck as the one from, dare I say, dream from earlier, it appears to have engaged in on a head-only collision with a sedan from the opposite lane. Things start to appear more familiar to me. I feel like I should go home, but curiosity was tugging forcefully at myself. I slowed down and put over the roadside. I got out of my car and started walking towards the accident. There are a handful of policemen and a pair of EMTs gathered around the scene. They cordoned off the area around the crash. I assume that the towing services haven't arrived yet. Sir, you might want to step back for a bit from the vehicle. One a cop to me as I got near to the truck. His uniform said Johnston G. Pardon me, Officer Johnson, but may I know what happened to the people in the car, I asked. I'm sorry to say this, but both of them are dead. Then he waves his hand over to the EMTs, loading two bodies in the back of the ambulance. A strong red glare glows from the ambulance. I could hear its engine groaning. Just then, the atmosphere got a little darker and heavier. The whistling wind sprinkled about an amount of snow. The whitened pine trees swayed in the background. I noticed a line of curious drivers slow down to look at the accident and speed up as they perhaps to get the curiosity satisfied. Do you know what happened to know any of the deceased, sir? The cop asked. And he shows me their IDs. No, I replied to the cop. I don't recognize them, I say. 
I walk away from the scene, feeling a little stranger. I make my way back inside the car and sit there for a minute. I turn the radio in the same voice from earlier, except now he's interviewing someone. I paid a little attention to the radio. I start my car and continue to traverse the old scenic route. The snow falls and blankets from the darkened sky. Some flakes had stuck to my wiper. I had to switch and the car flicks the snow off. I breeze past the trees. They look like crudge smudges in my peripheral vision. As I keep driving in the distance, I could see the neon sign of Gino's Diner. It is glaring. A bright blue and red, it is written in a smooth cursive. The letter R from the sign is flickering on and off. Finally, some calm. I thought to myself, I parked my car around the back of the diner. There were only three other cars parked. I make my way up to the steps at the front entrance. I open the door and I'm greeted by music from the jukebox. It is about halfway through some slow ballad. Gino's diner is built like a log cabin. On the first step into the place, he would feel like the rest of the world had slipped away. The place feels like something extracted from the 70s and merged with the day. Its walls are adorned with pictures of Gino's family. I've known Gino for quite a while, and I noticed that most of the booths are empty. A few people were seated on the bar stools. Usually the place would be packed around this time, but it isn't. Inside, it's quiet. A couple is having a conversation in a booth near the window. There you are. I think the roast beef for the masseuse is a bit of a deal. Gino greets me with a warm laughter as I enter. I see him wiping muck off the bar. I attempted to reciprocate his demeanor, but I fumbled with my words. I thought, how would he know that I was picking up some roast beef? Maybe Janice had told him that I was coming. Say, you catch news of that collision about half an hour back? I asked, you know. His smile turned into an expression of confusion for a split second. Wait, there's been another one? He asked agitatedly. What do you mean another one? I asked back, slightly puzzled. There couldn't possibly be another accident. Just yesterday, a truck and a sedan got into a head-on collision about some mile from here, Gino said, confused. What did he mean by just yesterday? I thought the accident had taken place no longer than an hour ago. And with that, I felt the peculiar nausea hit me back. I'm struck by the strange feeling once more. Could Gino have been kidding around with what he said? I doubt so. Your wife's been looking everywhere for you since last night. She told me that you were on your way back to pick up some dinner from her and Spencer, but you never returned, said Gino. Please tell me you're not pulling some sick joke on me, Jean. This isn't funny, I replied. I notice a slight harshness in my tone. Now, why would I do that? Here, check my phone. Check the messages your wife left, if you won't believe me. Why do you seem so spooked anyway? Gino handed me his phone. I checked the messages. I checked my watch for the date. I couldn't believe my eyes. My watch and Gino's phone showed that the entire day had taken place. I checked my phone and it proved similar. I do not understand what is happening. How could I be missing for that long and not feel the passage of time? 
was it not, that only a couple of minutes back I was just driving on the road back home? My first thought was to phone my wife. I checked my phone, but the signal was still dead. I asked Gina for his, but he has no signal as well. I ran outside hoping that I could be better reception, but I came up with nothing. Outside, it's very cold, so I walked back inside the diner. Gino says that I look a little pale and asks me if I'm all right. He offers me a glass of water, and I quickly down it. He asked me where I was last night. I reply that I had just been driving for a couple of minutes. I recall that, and only that, I was only driving for a while, and no way I could have driven all night long and not feel time pass by. What sort of unexplainable force was taking place? I could not grasp what was going on. I needed to sit down and smooth things out. Let my cigarette. It was relief with every drag. Anyway, I could fix you up some dinner if you want. You could surely use something to eat, Gino offered. His disposition was way calmer than mine. Gino appeared calm, yet with a tinge of worry. I told him no. No thanks. And then I didn't really feel like eating. Say, Gino, do you ever feel a little strange in these woods? I asked him, my tone projecting a hint of anxiety. The cold does tend to take a toll on the individual, but then you'll get used to it. These woods do get to become a bit odd if they're all you see daily. I finished another glass of water, and after that, I decided that Gino should learn the whole story. I needed to let this out somehow. I told him about the weird sort of dream from earlier, about my wife calling, about, then about the collision, and then about the disappearing night. I could find no explanation for these events. I think you'd like it if I told you that you aren't the only one who experiences these mysteries. Weird and unexplainable things happen in these woods. I don't think I have told you my story about the one few times back when I felt that I would die, said Gino. No, I believe you haven't. Go on, I replied. You could hear what he would say. Anyway, I was working late at the diner because of our cook back when he couldn't come in to work that day. It was around 2 a.m., and I had to close the diner already. I was going through the inventory. I found myself drifting off to sleep. Then I had a dream. In that dream, I saw myself in third person. My face carried a blank expression, and movement was quite slower than usual. I had walked out on the restaurant and onto the road. It was also snowing in my dream. Quite as strongly as tonight, I observed myself walking down the road, and a couple of steps further, I saw myself preparing to lie down on the road. I had tilted my head to the face of the road. From outside of my body, I could hear a car coming from afar. The light was getting brighter by the second. I was coated in a feeling dread, for I could not move my body, but only observe it from without. The fear was welling up inside of me, and I felt that I would die as the car had come inches from my body. And then I woke up. It felt like there was no disconnect from my dreaming to wake up. The experience felt very unified. I awoke, feeling just as afraid as I had felt in the dream. I checked the clock, and it was around four in the morning at the time. Here's where things get really strange. From behind the bar, I heard a car 
insistent. Honking, coupled with the brake screeching, just then, I started to put two and two together. I ran outside, and what I saw still haunts me to this day. A car had run over a man lying down on the road, just as it appeared in my dream, except I wasn't the one on the ground. Worse than having a bad dream is witnessing it come to life. I still get flashbacks of what happened, but they don't hit hard as they used to. Gino's story ended. I took some time. Form of solace in knowing that I'm not alone. That others could face the unexplainable thing that I had just had. I finished my last cigarette, thanked Gino, and walked back to my car. As I exit the diner, I felt the cold shifting to an unfamiliar sort. I started the car and slowly made my way out of the lot. Gino stood by the doorway and he waved me goodbye. I returned the gesture. Snow still falls heavily. The trees dance their uncanny dance. The wind howls an unsettling howl. The moon provides little guidance. There is a certain stillness. Tonight feels separate from the rest of the nights. Sitting in my car, I ponder upon the things that took place. What could I have been doing on the night that I don't remember ever experiencing? Had I had been momentarily detached from the world? Had I had been put in a trance of some sort of explainable force? How real was my dream, Gino's dream? Are they but dreams at the most, or are they brief encounters with a different reality? These questions weigh down on my mind, and I fear I could find no answer. It's been a long drive home, perhaps the longest I've ever had. The disappeared evening still puzzles me. I'd like to believe that I was in some way a participant in today's, or yesterday's, tragedy, and somehow I encountered the world that is eerily similar to the one I'm in. My lucid recollection would attest to that. But I don't know. I might not ever know. There's a certain strangeness in these woods, and tonight has been the longest night of my life. I am weary, but I have yet a long way to go. If I wish to make it back home.